This is the Cognitive History Podcast, where we explain historical events in order to understand their importance. The less heard of, the better. Without further ado, let's get into exploring the obscure. Welcome back, everybody. Um, as always, I'm your host, Kevin, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Logan. What's up? And it's been a while since we've done an episode intro like that without me getting distracted, like, immediately after saying hello. Yeah. Yeah, it has. <laughs> like, too long. <laughs> Maybe we'll make it a habit. No promises. It, definitely no promises. But so, yeah, unfortunately, uh, life kind of got the better of us and we uh, neglected our free time for recording, but we're still back and recording on what appears to be a somewhat regular basis right now. Hopefully. But uh, Logan, how have you been in the... I think it's been about two weeks since we last recorded. I believe so. Yeah, I've been uh, pretty good. You know, this isn't a sponsor thing, but I started doing the Exodus 90 challenge with the uh, seminary and guy at church. It's, uh, it's, it's not fun. I'm not familiar with that challenge. So basically you live what amounts to an ascetic life up through Easter. Oh, so it's so hyper Lent. Yeah, basically. So like cold showers, that kind of stuff. Oh, no. In winter? No. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the that's the one I think I've broke the most. I can't blame you for breaking that one. No, no. If, if we lived near the equator, <laughs> that would be okay. Oh, yeah. Trust I mean, me, ha- having lived on a tropical island, you take cold showers every now and then. Oh, yeah. I mean, this summer, it'd be easy. Yeah. Like, every day, get home from doing asphalt, cold shower. Instant. <laughs> instant release. Yeah. But the couple of days I did it, it wasn't that bad, you know? Just a whole change in the way I live my life. Make sure you have the, the heater turned on. Oh, yeah. But... There's also less cell phone usage during this, so like very little like social media and stuff. It's freed up a lot of time in my day. Yeah, I can see that one uh, providing you with a lot more free time. Oh, yeah, which is why I got to do so much uh, research for this episode. No, hey, keep doing the no cell phone thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, that sounds fun. I, I unfortunately got COVID. No. It, um, do not take this to 
mean I'm saying that COVID isn't that bad, but my symptoms were very mild. Um, I'm oh, yeah, definitely... my girlfriend got it. It was like basically like the flu for her. Yeah. She said the worst part was like the body aches. Yeah, um, I agree. Um, however, do not take that as us trying to downplay the disease. We um, shall not be minimizing anything here. Yes, please still keep doing your regular precautions, social distance, all of that good stuff. Um, be smart and whatnot. Yes, because um, basically, if I had properly socially distanced, I probably wouldn't have gotten it. Yep. The problem is I went to a bar and um, <laughs> there wasn't enough... Uh, seating available so my friend and i sat closer to each other than we probably should have and because Ooh. of that yeah yeah we went to a uh, theme park i think Oof. is where she got it Ooh. yeah yeah that'll do it um stay safe everyone <laughs> but yeah yeah so social distance keep your mask on keep your headphones in keep listening to cognitive history Yep, we have a lot of hours of content, surprisingly. Yeah, yeah, we do. We can keep you busy for at least a day. At least. Um, so, let's see. Now that we're done with the um, introductions, at only less than six minutes into the episode, congratulations, what? us. Um, so... I, I know I'm going to get this out of the way because I know <laughs> Logan's going to want to say it too. Yep. Um, so y'all remember if you'll have listened to our first two episodes, me apologizing profusely multiple times for my lack of understanding of how to pronounce the French language. Correct. Cool. I yep, can't yep. hear your responses because you know, this is a one-way form of media. I'm, I'm going to assume any of our French audience is going, oh, yeah, it was horrible. Oh, Jesus. Horrible. Oh, God. Okay. So, <laughs> so, yeah, now if we have any Greek listeners, which I know we don't. but if Especially we get... not that speak Koine Greek. Yeah. But if we get Greek listeners, they can scoff at us mispronouncing Greek things now because, um, yeah, as, so Logan and I talk for a while before we start each episode. About an hour today. Yeah, roughly. Sometimes two. <laughs> so um, <laughs> we were talking about things and Logan was just like, Oh yeah, um I don't know how to pronounce all of this Greek stuff. It's hurting. So we yeah, both I... also have a slight history in Latin, so given that we want to pronounce AEs as not how you do. Yeah, it's, it's um uh, yeah. The whole thing's going to be painful, so here we both are apologizing at the top of the episode for any mispronunciations of Greek that we know are going to happen. 
or if we accidentally pronounce it right to modern Greek, please note that it's most likely not right to the pronunciation of ancient Greek. Yeah, problems about. Either way, we're probably getting it wrong one way or the other. Yeah. But at any rate, uh, Logan, this is still your episode, so I will let you pick on up from us apologizing for the language issues. Yeah, and uh, with that out of the way, um, if you watched the last episode of the Historical Myth series, you'd know that we covered Alexander the Great, and uh, Kevin, what was your name for him? Alexander the... Kind of meh, but not too bad. It's a long title. They had to workshop it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, how, you know, when he died, his generals then split the empire up amongst themselves. Well, today we're going to go into a little more detail about how that splitting up amongst themselves happened a couple of times. And it wasn't very cut and dry. Sounds so like fun. For our first um, mispronunciation of the day, the title of this episode Diadecai. <laughs> That's what it looks like, as far as we can understand from me pulling up the pronunciation from the Wikipedia article. <laughs> yeah, so um, from here on out, we will be referring to these Diadecai as. Um, successors yeah the successors because that's what they did they succeeded you know yeah um before they were the successors though they went by a different name in the macedonian army and here's our second mispronunciation of the day hitairoi which means companion cavalry yeah yep so Kevin will be my translator today. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I have to get my two uh, cents in. I just thought that would be the most humorous way to do it. It was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So uh, this, as we will be referring to them from here on out, companion cavalry made the Macedonian army very flexible. There were no fixed ranks among them. There wasn't like ranking general, lieutenant, commander, captain, none of that. It was just a collection of officers of adaptable rank who Alexander could assign and reassign depending on the day, which he did almost daily as the companion cavalry would gather expecting important, powerful commands, even if it was only for the day. So you would have like one dude leading the charge today. And then Alexander's like, okay, well, your expertise was good for that day, but this guy's a lot better at this, so he's going to lead today. In a way, that actually sounds like a very good strategy to have because, for one, it allows for potentially everyone to get a leadership role in. Oh, yeah. And everybody gets their chance to shine, you know? Yeah, it, it allows for everyone to... Um, have their expertise as needed oh yeah and since you don't have anybody outranking anybody yeah there's no like power, power struggle or anything yeah it's alexander and then everybody else pretty much yeah 
so yeah, as we've agreed, it's a great system. But when uh, Alexander died, as we covered in the last episode, that system just kind of dissolved because now there's nobody to tell them who's in charge today except themselves. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So you can see how without the great dictator in charge. Yeah, if if you don't have... Like, I'm assuming the main problem here is, like with most of everything, um, Alexander the okay, um, <laughs> he he didn't set up for, you know, he had no idea he was going to die untimely. No, so, like, he was sick for 12 days, as we covered before, and then he named a successor who was heard from another as a different successor. yeah. Um, and but you so, have this whole military system beneath you that has no ranking command. Yeah, and because you don't have anyone set up as your second. Uh, and like it, every other regency in the world, when do, the emperor dies and he leaves a kid that was just born like, what, weeks ago as his successor? Yeah, do we need to explain exactly what a power vacuum is again? Yeah, this is like the power vortex right here. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, when that happened, Perdiccas became the regent of the entire empire. And Meliagar, his lieutenant. At one point or another, Perdiccas helped Meliagar and the other infantry leaders murdered and assumed full control. Oh no. So the power vacuum is now one guy. This is going to move very quickly. <laughs> Supporters of Perdiccas received in the partition of Babylon satraps or provinces to govern. I mean, you know, satrap is a province. Pretty self-explanatory. Ptolemy received Egypt. Anybody who knows history knows Ptolemaic Egypt and all that. Yeah, I think there, we talked a, about that a little bit at the tail end of the last episode, too. We did. Cleopatra and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, here's another mispronunciation for you guys. Laomedon. Not Mao Zedong, Lao Maidong. I'm, not, I'm not, trying not to spit my drink out. <laughs> well, this guy, he uh, received Syria and Phoenicia. Yeah, Phoenicia's an area still. Imagine that. Hmm. Philotas received Cilicia. Here, here's um, the book of numbers for you guys. Pathon received Medea. Antigonus received Phrygia, Lycia, and Pamphylia. Which that that sounds kinky, but okay. Pamphylia, Pamphylia. <laughs> I like Pam. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Cassander <laughs> received Korea. Menander received Lydia. Which uh, little music note there? Lydia, as in Lydian, Mixolydian. If, if anybody's a music major out there that knows, you know, the modes, they're all from Greece. Did you say someone got Korea? 
C A R I A, not K O R E A. Okay. But Caria, mispronunciations all you want all day long. Lizimakos, I know I'm doing that one wrong. Got Thrace. Oh, Thrace is fun. Oh, yeah, Thrace is fun. And like, not too many years, Thrace is going to produce one of the most famous slaves to ever rebel. Spartacus. Also produces um, one of the most fun types of gladiator. Yep. Because we can get into gladiatorial history later on. But basically, you had different types of different. Yeah, you had different types with different names. The Thracian mm-hmm. was one of them, and I think they had, um, I think they had two swords that they used. I think it was double gladius. Yeah. And then anyway. to finish off this list, Leonatus received Hellespontine Phrygia, as in the Phrygian mode. You, you music experts out there, I'm, I'm throwing y'all some bones today. I, I also play guitar, and the modes are, you know, they're the modes. Also known for the Phrygian Sea, I believe. Yes. Oh, no, I'm wrong. There's more. <laughs> oh, Neoptolemus received Armenia. Oh, yeah, see, there's that Armenia that we were talking about Yeah. two episodes ago. Macedon and the rest of Greece were antipaters. Not the Negadaddy. This ain't Latin. It's it's such a. He needed a different name. Yeah. So yeah. the joke is that Antipater means literally not father, not the daddy. It's in Latin, so like his <laughs> name is very humorous to me. And ironically speaking, he he had a son too. It's, it's we're gonna great. get to him so um yeah there's a uh, there's more to this list but i feel like i've covered enough of it and i'm gonna cut that short um the main takeaway here for the rest of the list is the east was left mostly intact to the way alexander had apportioned it so like alexander's father-in-law oxyartes kept gandara and Taxiles and Porus remained in charge of India. Oh, well, at least some of it went according to his plan. Oh, yeah. Archon kept Babylon, and I'm pretty sure that becomes relevant later on in history. So, now we get to the first war between them. Oh, I don't like that first bit that you said. Oh, it's one of many. At least four. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. So, Perdiccas, you know, he became the regent. Married Alexander's sister. A familiar name. Not the same one, but Cleopatra. Ah. Which led to Antipater, Craterus, Antigonus, and... Ptolemy joining together in revolt. Uh, basically, it looks some, uh, mad lovers. Yeah, it looks like he's uh trying to consolidate too much power. 
essentially. Oh, yeah. he, he's grabbing for everything. He wants yeah. to be the new Alexander, and these guys just ain't having it. In response to it, though, comes one of the most important aspects of this war in the history. Ptolemy stole Alexander's body on its way back to Macedon and took it to Egypt. Ah, yeah, that is a that is a big thing. And um, the rebels were defeated in Asia, Asia Minor in a battle which took the life of Craterus. Uh, but in an invasion of Egypt, Perdiccas was killed by his generals, Pathon, Seleucus, and Antigenes. Which is where we end up getting the Seleucid Empire in Persia, right? Almost. Almost? Almost. This led to the partition of Triparatasus. Another mispronunciation for you, I'm sure. But um, at this partition, Antipater gained for himself the title of regent. He took Perdiccas' spot. Antigonus kept his satraps and gained Lycaonia. I, I, okay. And was charged with rooting out Eumenes, who helped um, Perdiccas. He defeated the rebels in Asia Minor. Huh. Ptolemy kept Egypt. Lysimachus kept Thrace. Seleucus gained Babylon. This is like a long game of risk. Yeah, it's it's like risk mixed with um, Game of Thrones. Yeah. So the two big names among these people now are Antipater, who basically has reigning control over Alexander's Europe, and Antigonus, who has reigning control over Alexander's part of Asia. Soon after the second partition in 319 BC, Antipater died. Oh no. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. There he goes. Not daddy. Yeah, th this is this is where it gets to be like Game of Thrones. Oh, he did. You like that character? He did. Which is why we're not going in too much into the individuals because then you'd get attached and we don't want you crying while listening to our podcast. No. No, no, except in the first episode. That stuff was sad. Yeah, and some of the stuff to come up. But anyway, back to back to this. Yep. Back back to the fun game of Risk. So uh, the royal family, Roxana, Alexander the Fourth, you know, his kid, and, uh, well, the royal family, then tried to retake Macedon. I don't Caused think a civil that... war to break out. Here we go. We finished one war, and now we're on to another one already. Already. Oh, it's, it's years and years, yeah. 322 to 275 BC. That's how long all this lasted. 322 to what? To 275. Oh my god. They were warring from 322 to 275 BC. That's so long. Yeah. So the royal family tried to take Macedon back. 
Civil War broke out at the end of the messy struggle, which killed a good many of our aforementioned players. Cassander, son of Antipater, had control over Macedon. He had control over the son of Alexander, Alexander IV, and Roxanne. Roxanne. <laughs> I had to do it one more time. It, it has to be done. I mean, what kind of name for an ancient Greek is that easy to pronounce? Uh, I want it's like, to It's like say... Philip and Alexander. It, what were... I mean, I know it was Alexandros, but... Yeah, I was, was going to say, hot, hot take. Um, I'm sure they've been anglicized oh yeah like most things english people are lazy in pronunciation and uh it has nothing to do with the fact that it's translated through two different variations of greek along with local dialects like five different variants of latin and many other germanic invitations to this pronunciation on its way to english yeah so it's a game of telephone and then it's laziness yeah yeah, and I'm going to be the lazy. Um, in 310, <laughs> Cassander <laughs> made a big decision, and he uh, he killed Alexander IV and Roxanne. Roxanne. Yep, there's the red wedding for you. And that, that was a sad <laughs> Roxanne, by the way. <laughs> there, there was a single tear running down Kevin's face for Roxanne. Yep. I can't say your name anymore. <laughs> in 301 BC, at the end of the Fourth War, the Battle of Ipsus became the breaking point of what was once the great Hellenistic Empire of Alexander the Great. Or Alexander the... Yeah, he's alright. Antigonus Monothalamus Okay. There's a pH there. I don't know if it's monophthalamus, monophthalamus. So what's his face? Single brain. Cool. There you go. <laughs> he has one mind and one mind only. <laughs> but he has also a son. And the two of them went against Cassander of Macedon, Lysimachus of Thrace, and Seleucus, first Nicator of Babylon and Persia. Man, that's a name. Seleucus the first Nicator. Yeah, that's a name. Yeah. I know I know I'm like falling into a Latinized pronunciation for all of this, but I also say Hercules, so get over it. Demetrius the first of Macedon, son of Antigonus, took control of a large part of Macedon after his father's death in the battle and continued his father's dynasty falling prisoner to Seleucus and dying but Antigonus II son of Demetrius was able to take advantage of a period of confusion and establish control over the kingdom of Macedon as well as most of Greece by 276 BC the Antigonid control lasted into the first century AD when they fell to Rome that's the Everything. way most of uh, history in this area works they do good, yeah. they destroy a bunch of people, they get taken over, they do good, they destroy a bunch of people, and then Rome shows up. Yeah. See, Alexander the... Cool. Um, 
<laughs> he went about trying to eat up the world and then you know he did that pretty well mm-hmm. until rome came around and it's just like hold my beer i mean he was only a ruler for 12 years so he could have done better he could have done a lot worse true i mean i um i read a thing where um when philip ii was king and alexander was a teenager he was um sending reports home about his conquest into persia and alexander was said to have responded to one of them saying he needs to stop otherwise i'll have nothing to do for myself See, I like to imagine when he took the throne, his title was Alexander the title pending. <laughs> well, I See, mean, there, there you go. There's a new joke. I'm not just rehashing the same one. It's a good joke. It's a great joke, even. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> but here's the thing, though. Like, Alexander conquered a lot of the world. Yeah. But he did not conquer the Persians. Philip II did that. Alexander never won the Olympics. Philip II did. So even though Alexander had this huge list of conquests and a lot of generals to fight each other to the death. Kind of riding off his dad's coattails. Yeah. Tends to happen with royalty to some degree it it does i mean especially when you have this level of you know conquering involved yeah but philip was also kind of responsible for taking out the persians which had been a bane on greece for generations Yeah. Like, you know, with the 300 and whatnot. Yeah. It's definitely a big thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's, um, that's what happened to the, uh, Antigonid kingdom. They, they fell to Rome in the first century AD. The Ptolemies and Seleucids, following the rapid succession of Cassander and Lysimachus to the afterlife, I like how I phrase that. That That is a good way of phrasing that, yeah. Well, they ended up controlling the majority of the former empire, aside from the Antigonid control of pretty much all of Greece, and the Attalid dynasty in Asia Minor, mainly uh, the surrounding country of one city in Turkey. Surrounding uh, country of one city. Yeah, well, it... It was uh, once ruled by Lysimachus until his lieutenant, Philetarius. I guess that's his name. Rebelled. Eventually, it became entirely independent, and after a period of vassal-like fealty, where they were basically free to do what they wanted to, but they kind of paid tribute to the Seleucids. You know? Uh, It's like, we pay you taxes, but you leave us alone, so we're good. Okay, so tribute state. Yeah, basically. But then they were entirely independent after that. Hmm. For about uh, 150 years before Rome absorbed them between 133 and 129 BC. 
They didn't even conquer, they absorbed. I mean, that's not a bad run. No, no. I mean, it's a lot better than a lot of other places got. Yeah. And, you know, absorbed, uh, knowing how Rome operated, what that says to me is, uh, Rome was knocking on their doorstep and they could read the writing on the wall. So they, uh, peacefully surrendered right but this was also in 133 to 129 bc which was still the roman republic true but rome always uh was uh, what's what's the phrasing rome was always a very um forgiving conqueror mm-hmm. yeah they were but at this time period, too, you have the big issue of um, warring neighbors coming at you. Yeah. Not to mention invasions through like supply lines. Taxes owed to other areas that you've gotten resources from. And then you have this gigantic monolith standing in Italy like, oh, hey, we'll help you out if you just, you know, become us. Yeah, they probably went with the uh, best option there. Yeah. That happened a lot. Yeah. Especially in this Roman Republic time period where they would basically send a letter to your enemies being like, okay, you can continue to fight them and then you can fight us. Yeah, I would... um, One topic that because I watched a few videos on it today that i would like to cover in the future would be the germanic wars Mm -hmm. um, which happens about a hundred and some odd years after this Mm. um first century like uh yeah yeah it the the, they start in um the germanic wars were during um it was coming back from that where julius caesar made his play for power wasn't it no, that was um, the Gallic Wars. That's right. Um, the Germanic Wars happened during uh, Tiberius. Mm. But yeah, I need to um, read up on them. Yeah, it's it's fun, but um, yeah, my main point is um, when we get to covering those, you can see exactly how rome operates in terms of meeting resistance and not meeting resistance yeah but at any rate uh do continue (laughs) it's just you know it's nice to take a minute to talk about how rome just kind of threatened everybody else and yeah you have to talk about rome at some point and this is a great introduction to rome too you have the legacy of Alexander the Great killing each other to the point where they've all split up. And as I'm about to explain, the last remaining survivor doesn't even get absolved into what is Rome until Julius Caesar. Yeah. And that somehow involved a collapsing empire and a rug uh 
Do I need to explain that joke? Uh, a bit, yeah. Some people might not do so. Some people might not get it. Well, okay. So basically, <laughs> um, if I am getting what you're getting at, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> it's so stupid, but this is actual historical fact. Um, <laughs> so, which, which a lot of things involving this woman are ridiculous, but actual historical fact. Yeah. So basically. Julius Caesar catches wind about this whole civil war that's going on in Ptolemaic Egypt because uh because King Ptolemy, the pharaoh at the time, is uh kind of a douche for lack yeah. of a better word. Yeah, so his and sister his, wants to take over. His sister wife. Yeah. So yeah. She, she wants to take over and there's a lot of dissent within the country mm-hmm. as to who wants to support who. But so Julius Caesar goes down and he sees who, or he's trying to find out who he wants to support. So he goes and he wants to have a meeting with Cleopatra. And instead of just meeting him, she has her servants wrap her in a rug so that she can get the surprise on him. Mm-hmm. It's 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 so dumb. <laughs> it's so dumb. But he was imp- to, yeah. Yeah, he ahead. was impressed yeah. by it somehow. I mean my my first thoughts if I if someone popped out of a rug would not be to be impressed but i i guess that's why i'm not julius caesar now at bachelor parties you have women jumping out of cakes back in the day you had egyptian queens jumping out of rugs i suppose they're not too far off from one another no no i think i think cleopatra started that the last i think we need to give her credit for that it was it was her greatest contribution to society. Well, Jesus. other than causing the infighting between Mark Antony and Julius Caesar. Yeah, other than being one of the deciding factors in the downfall of the Roman Republic. And the collapse of Ptolemaic Egypt. Especially that one. Mm-hmm. So, um, back to the story. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're skipping ahead <laughs> a lot. Yeah, we'll we'll have more time to talk about Cleopatra and her absolute failures in just a minute. But the Seleucids had many impacts on their kingdom. Historically speaking, probably the most well-known for being the cause and villain of... uh, Why did I say kingdom there? I meant history. Anyway, rewind. The Seleucids (laughs) had many impacts on history. Historically speaking, probably the most well-known for being the cause and villain of the Maccabean Revolt. Because at the time, they were making inroads into Judea. And since they were in charge of that area, they decided that Jewish custom and tradition were diametrically opposed to the way they wanted to rule the country. And, well, um, they started war. Oh, fun. Yeah. Another war for 
Jewish but people we, to be in. Yeah, yeah, but they won this one. Oh. They they did. They won this one. And do you know how they won this one? I'm afraid to ask. We've already covered part of it. Go ahead. I mean, I, I didn't specifically say it was in relation to this when I was covering the histories, but uh, yeah, so um, they wrote a letter to Rome saying, hey, these Seleucid guys are causing us a lot of trouble. They're interfering with our religious life and whatnot. So Rome sent a letter back saying, hey, you Seleucids, stop that. When they didn't. So, um, yeah, they, uh, they got beat. Mm. And because of all of this, we have, uh, we have, um, Hanukkah. Ah, so that's where that comes from. Yeah, the um, oil burning for however many days it was. That's uh, when they retook the temple from the Seleucids. Hmm. And they were um, removing all of the pagan idols and whatnot and rededicating the temple to God. And this is around what year? The Maccabean Revolt? Yeah. Is, um, hang on. I'm, I'm just curious. It's, uh, from 167 to 160 BCE. Oh, okay. So 90 years before the Judeo Roman War. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, don't worry. We're going to help you out. Hey, we don't like you that much anymore. So then, you know, they got conquered. Um, they were forced by the Romans to relinquish any claims on Asia Minor, being Turkey and modern-day Turkey and the surrounding areas. Yeah. So the Seleucids lost a vast majority of their empire to the Romans and then uh, barely survived a while. And in 64 BC, Pompey. Oh, finally boy, removed Pomp their last little bit from Syria. The Seleucids oh. were no more. Pompey. Uh, yeah, Pompey. One of the I... great generals of the Roman Empire. With one of the most unfortunate last names of the Roman Empire. Yeah? I, I don't think... Like, okay. Y you have some really great names, like Claudius Augustus Gaius Iulius Kaiser Mark Anthony which is a very plain sounding name but still better than Pompey well, wouldn't, it, wouldn't it at the time have been Marcus Antonius it would have been but regardless that's still better than Pompey Augustus, Octavius. Yeah. At Even any rate. Nero. At any rate. Yeah, at any rate, yeah. Uh, back to the last holdout. 
of the Diadokai. Diadokai. However you want to say it. Successors. Have fun with pronouncing these things. The successors. The last holdout being, of course, the Ptolemies. They lasted in Egypt a long time, making their capital Alexandria. Burying the body of Alexander the Great, or the, eh, he's all right. In Alexandria, one of his namesake cities of many that he created and founded. Home to the Library of Alexandria, the Lighthouse of Alexandria, R.I.P. And many inbred Ptolemies to come after. Yeah, the the Ptolemaic dynasty of Egypt lasted long enough for people to, in the modern day, believe that they were Egyptian. And I believe that I read that Cleopatra was the first of the Ptolemaics to actually learn Egyptian. Uh, I remember hearing that as well. She was, um, if she wasn't the first to learn Egyptian, she was one of the only ones to do so. Mm-hmm. Because she wanted her people to like her. Yeah. And I would say that definitely um, played Cleopatra. a part in her being more popular than her brother. Cleopatra would have been a better ruler than her brother. But it's because of her that in um, 30 BC, they were annexed to Rome after living out a period as a client under Rome. But uh, they were, at the time, a beacon of Greek culture and trade. Eventually, in the Syrian wars, expanding their control to eastern Libya, the Sinai, and northern Nubia. Hmm. Ptolemaic Egypt was the richest of the successor kingdoms. And it was the most well-educated. I mean... Among the ruling class. I mean, the Egyptians knew how to make beer, so... Yeah. That'll make a difference. Sorry, I, I feel like I whispered that a bit too much. Um, <laughs> the Egyptians knew how to make beer. And yeah. also... Yeah, uh, Cleopatra was the first Ptolemaic ruler to learn e Egyptian. Was it just, uh, just was just it Coptic it at the time, or um, that I'm not I sure when it becomes Coptic and not ancient Egyptian. Uh, that I do not know, but she knew Egyptian. Yeah, yeah, she she um, knew how to speak to the commoner. Yeah, she she could actually speak multiple languages, so. That definitely played uh, paid off in her favor. Did she know Latin? It wouldn't surprise me if she did. Because I'm pretty sure that Julius Caesar and Mark Antony would have known Greek. Yeah. And it... that Greek was, in fact, the common language of the Roman Republic, and Latin was basically, at the time, used as a ruling class language and a philosophical and political. So it wouldn't surprise me if all three of them knew both Greek and Latin. No, it wouldn't. 
But if they see the, the reason I bring that up is I'm curious when she pops out of the rug, does she spark? Does she start speaking to him in Greek or start speaking to him in Latin? Or does she just throw a complete curveball and throw Egyptian towards him? That'd be hilarious. It's like, okay, so this woman just popped out of a rug, started speaking Egyptian to me. She looks very Greek. Confused. And she looks here. like she, she's like she's surprisingly pretty for somebody that comes from like twelve generations of inbreeding. Yeah. Yeah, there's that that's that's a big thing is uh whether or not Cleopatra was attractive. And to us um, in the modern age, probably atrocious. But in the first century In the first century, anyone can be a looker. Yeah. I mean, have you seen statues of Julius Caesar? He wasn't that great himself. Yeah. I mean, his hairline was a little wild. A little, too. A little wild. <laughs> so, yeah, of the many wars of successors, it all basically boils down to a woman jumping out of a rug. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as far as the wide-ranging results of all of these conflicts, Armenia had some fun with it. Most of Asia Minor had a lot of fun with it. And I think a history on... Um, conquests in what is now modern Turkey would be a great episode to do, but I don't think we could cover it all here. Yeah. I mean, I touched on it. Yeah. I touched on it a little bit, but, um, there's long story short, there's a lot. Yeah. I mean, there's the Greeks, then there's the Seleucid Greeks. There's the Ottomans, the Byzantines, <laughs> Sorry, I, there's uh, Kevin showing a wild and crazy picture of Julius Caesar up here. Yeah, sorry, I I can't help myself. Every time <laughs> I see like, it's this picture of him with like some. He has a really weird shaped head. That's gonna that's gonna be the cover picture on our Facebook now. No, no. <laughs> it Don't can be me out here lying to the people. It will be when we talk about him, but not right now. Okay, fine. I change it with our subject. Come on. <laughs> do we really need to do a video cover or an episode covering Julius Caesar? I would actually be fine with talking about his conquest in the Gallic Wars. You make a point. Because they never talk about that. They always talk about, yeah, he was the ruler of Rome. Mm -hmm. I'd be into talking about that and all the things going on around his uh, lifetime, like the Third Servile Wars, and yeah, there's a lot, and his uh, writings about the people of Scotland and how they were uh, the children of Hades. Yeah, That's some fun stuff. It'd be really fun. 
basically Julius Caesar, the conqueror of uh, the Roman Republic and the Germanic peoples and whatnot, was terrified of us redheaded folk. We were the children of demons, Nephilim, if you will, running out into battle butt naked. War yeah. paint all over our bodies. So scared, in fact, that at uh, one point in history, another emperor named Trajan built a wall to keep us out. Yo. But, um... But yeah, here we are talking about Rome when we should be talking about ancient Greece and the Hellenistic period. The Hellenistic yeah. period, you know, when you talk about it, in history class and whatnot, you think it lasts a lot longer than it did. Yeah, there's a lot of overlap um, between Greece and Rome. Mm-hmm. Oh, also, uh, Alexander and Cleopatra met at the tomb of Alexander. Uh, Julius Caesar and Cleopatra once met at the tomb of Alexander. Fun. It's one of the last known mentions in history of its location. Before it becomes lost and heavily contested, and is it in the Vatican for some reason? It could be. As a Catholic, I'm not able to comment on what is and isn't in the Vatican, except for the bones of St. Peter, which are irrefutable. But, yeah. Yeah. Could be. It, it could be. Or it could be uh, 200 feet under the current modern-day streets of Alexandria. Yeah. We will never know, probably. It's probably under a parking lot somewhere, like Richard III was. So, yeah, no. my on, Honestly, my favorite thing is how um, technically Greece causes the downfall of the Roman Republic. (laughs) Yeah. Because of just one woman. Okay, so... So, so, um... because in in short, in short, here's what ends up happening. Um, So you have Julius Caesar. He's really into Cleopatra, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And, yeah, Mark Antony, who's really into Cleopatra. Yeah, he doesn't come in until a bit later. But basically, Julius being way too buddy-buddy with Egypt actually causes a lot of... Uh, it causes his approval ratings to tank, essentially. Yes, because while Egypt was friendly with Rome as far as trade and culture goes, it still was a rival kingdom. Yeah. And it didn't help that he did a thing where he basically had Cleopatra coming with him to Rome and marching with him in a triumph as one of, or as ISIS, I believe. Um, Like, yeah, he her as a god in a triumph, which is. Yeah, Rome was all about venerating gods even that existed outside of their pantheon Mm -hmm. but uh the problem was 
Julius exalted Cleopatra too much. Mm-hmm. So that caused his approval ratings, at least among the Senate, to tank. And that caused him to get stabby stabbed uh, around about 23 times. Yep. And... On March 15th, I believe. Yep. The Ides of March. Yep. Uh, So there's this whole thing with who is going to succeed him. Was it going to be Octavian? Or no? Because Octavian was named as Julius's successor. Mm -hmm. But then you had other people, mainly speaking Mark Anthony, who felt he was a good successor. And then you have Caesarian. Oh, yeah, I forgot about him. Yeah. He's, he's commonly forgotten history, actually. Yeah, well, he's, I mean, as far as I know, he's still a kid when he died. Yeah. Spoilers. Um, yeah, but, uh, but basically the moral of the story is it ended up going to Octavian, who became Caesar Augustus. Yes, and uh, when he became Caesar Augustus, you had the final end of the Roman Republic and the formal beginning of the Roman Empire. The foundation of Caesarean powers did not come with Julius. It came with Augustus. Yeah. Who is the first emperor of Rome? Despite Julius Caesar taking all of the authority he did, he was not the first emperor. Yeah. It it was... It's uh, a... It's, uh, it's, pretty uh great though how all these hellenistic kingdoms did get their revenge in a way yeah it's it's funny how interconnected everything is mm-hmm. it's like taken by rome sacked by rome absorbed by rome destroyed by rome and then rome, destroyed by a rug Indirectly, yes. <laughs> that is a joke that can be made. So yeah, it all leads to Rome, and Rome leads to the modern world. Yeah, so Which basically... One, but uh, but, uh, but uh, we should uh, take a moment here to talk about the cultural appropriation going on around this time, too. Oh? Greek columns become Roman columns. Greek oh, yeah. become Roman gods. Heracles becomes Hercules. It, um, all the great Greek things ended up becoming Roman. Was it? Um, Even the kingdoms. Ulysses. No, Odysseus becomes Ulysses. Mm-hmm. And Alexander the Great is venerated as a god by many of the great Caesars of Rome. Yeah, basically, bottom line is there's a lot of stuff that happens at this point. Mm-hmm. It, it's a foundational moment. Yeah. I mean, you also and, have... Um, obviously not at the same time, but... 
you have the Romans build up their creation myth from Greek myth. Mm-hmm. Um, where So you have um, the Iliad and the Odyssey are a pair, right? Yeah. Um, and so the Romans create the Aeneid, which is the story of Aeneas. <laughs> and uh, how he runs away from Troy and eventually has... So basically, he's the person to whom uh, Romulus and Remus are eventually descended. And then... Obviously, they're the founders of Rome. Yes, yeah, so, raised by wolves and all that, become the first uh, king of Rome. Yeah, it's named Rome because Romulus killed Remus. Yeah, if it if it were the other way around, it would have been Reem, which doesn't sound as good. Here we have the Reman Empire. <laughs> Oh, uh, you gotta love that ream in architecture. Yeah, no, see, it doesn't sound right. Nope, but it doesn't. basically, yeah, yes. Yeah, so you have the Romans creating their own origin myth off of the backs of the Greeks and mm-hmm. becoming the they're descended from the um, rival of the Greeks. So yeah, they, um, they sort of gave themselves a purpose of of defeating the Greeks, which they kind of did. Yeah. Depending on, yeah. Depending on how you look at everything, of course. But yeah. So, um, that's the uh that's the successors the true successors rome yep yeah i would i would like to get into um each individual successor like in mm. depth in the future they all have very interesting stories and very difficult yeah. names yeah, I mean, the Seleucid Empire ends up becoming, um, I believe, part of the Seleucid Empire gets taken over by Persia, if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. Which is where my confusion came in earlier with the Seleucid Empire becoming Iran. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Persians outsurvived most of the ancient peoples. Yeah. Kind of still going strong. In a way. In a way. Even their uh, li- uh, uh, religion still survives. Partially. Yeah, one of the world's oldest religions mm-hmm. at that 
a religion believed in by one of the most famous rock stars in the world. Yep. Freddie Mercury. I forget which episode you mentioned that in. I don't remember. It was one of them. Mm hmm. I'm sure. But it bears repeating. Hmm? It, it, it deserves repeating. Yes. All right. So, oh, yeah. um, yeah. I know you initially planned on this being a three parter. But we pretty much covered everything in the first two episodes. I'm bad about that. <laughs> I mean, we could go into greater detail on the individuals, but there's so many of them. Yeah, that's that's why, like, as far like, as as far as talking about them in depth, I think the best way to approach that would be to go one by one and talk about each individual kingdom or mm -hmm. dynasty that took over. Like, I don't want to talk about just Ptolemy. No. I would be fine talking about the Ptolemaic dynasty in depth. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. See, it's, it's hard to split this into three parts because, like, part one being Alexander is the foundation of how everything goes about. But then the successors being the main point of the story, it's... It's so much history compacted into like 70 years. Yeah. And then going into later on how the Seleucids conquer other areas and then are themselves nearly eliminated by Rome until eventually they are. I mean, you could go into extreme detail on Pompey's military strategies of that time yeah that um, roman records are extremely accurate very much so and they like to talk at length about their uh, military strategies specifically mm -hmm. so i mean you could make a 32 parter out of this but you know making three parts out of it's kind of difficult because it's hard to really define a stopping point. Yeah. And a 32 parter would be a little much. Yeah. This is cognitive history, not diadechi history. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. So, so that's the end for uh, this series then, huh? It, it would appear to be. All right. Well, and I hope I you all enjoyed it, and I'm sorry I limited explaining all of the satraps, but... Yeah, I, I think it's, you... Uh... It's a lot of, uh, what's-his-name kept this, what's-his-name got that, what's-his-name conquered this, what's-his-name got that. Yeah, and I think... Um... I think you explained why you uh, put limitations on everything mm -hmm. uh, pretty pretty well. It, it would be very easy to turn this into four hours. Yeah. And I'm not a fan of doing this for four hours, personally no. speaking. No, me either. 
But I hope it was, uh, you know, informative and you learned something new about why Alexander the Great wasn't the greatest part of the Hellenistic period. He was the Kickstarter, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And historically speaking, he's kind of overshadowed a lot of what he left behind and what Philip II did before him. Yeah, because he's got that uh that great moniker in his name. Mm-hmm. It's just like you see that it's just like well clearly he's the important one. Yeah, even though arguably not as important as everyone else. No, I would argue Ptolemy was more important. Agreed. Uh, his dynasty ended up having the most lasting impact for things. It did, even today. Yeah. I mean, hardly anyone doesn't know the name Cleopatra. Yeah. And even if they know what the Ptolemaic dynasty is, you know, I hope somebody listening to this learns more about where that came from. Hopefully. I I like to think people learn things from our episodes. I hope so. But so that all being said, uh, email us and tell us how we pronounced everything wrong. Yeah, definitely do that one because <laughs> I've been waiting for emails for literal months and I've gotten nothing. I want to know how, how to pronounce these things. And if someone wants to teach me ancient Greek, I'd be uh, I'd be down. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. So. Logan, um, do you know what you would like to cover in your next episode series? I do, in fact. Oh, gonna gonna leave it a mystery, or no, I'll go ahead and announce it. Okay, if you're going to announce your next series. I'm not going to announce it directly. Okay. But Um, after uh, our next conversation episode will be Kevin's next mysterious. Actually, you know, actually, you know what? I'll backpedal on that. I'll backpedal. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I I will announce my next series um, after you announce yours. See what I did there? After after uh, Kevin's uh, soon to be announced next series, which will be after our next episode, the conversation, I will be covering the first crusade. Oh, so we're we're back to that one. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we've uh, we've given Christianity good enough break. I think. Yeah, mainly because we took a bit of a break, but but that's neither here nor there. That and we went pre-Christian history on this one. Yeah, true. And yes, I did discuss the Maccabees for a minute in relation to the Seleucids, but that's more Jewish history than Christian. Yeah. So, okay, with that being said, I have to um, put my mouth where my mouth is. Um, it's, it's the topic I've been talking about that uh, our friend Nick requested Mm. a few months ago and it's 
it's gotten more into the public spotlight, but I feel like a lot of people know about what happened and not what it was. Okay. So I am, I switched up. I was going to talk about the battle of Okinawa and then I had the idea of, well, what if I went chronologically speaking with Japanese history, but I don't want this to be the Japanese history podcast. Well, I'm turning it into the Roman history podcast. Uh, <laughs> we're we're mixing things up every now and then, I feel. But yeah. so basically, because I don't want every episode of mine to just be chronologically in order, me talking about Japanese history with breaks of you talking about whatever. Um, well, I'm uh, going to, to oh. be fair, as it is now, it's you talking about uh, things in Japan and me talking about christianity okay well so let's not keep with that thematic too much no no. Um, also that one place in france and there was that one time we talked about the controversial thing in turkey that yeah 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 um but so at any rate i'm going to be covering unit 731 and yes, that is how you pronounce it. It's not Unit 731. It is Unit 731. <laughs> Semantics, but Oh, look important. who's giving pronunciation advice now. Me. Yeah, not me, because I don't know how to pronounce anything, apparently. <laughs> but yeah, I've I've started on my research for that um i'm kind of taking a tiny bit of a break to read the hobbit which isn't too long of a read oh no yeah great book though oh very much so um i haven't read it in like it's been 20 years since i've read it god i'm old Mm. um christopher lee would be very disappointed in you (laughs) well i i started reading it because i want to do a full read through of all of tolkien's works Hmm. I might join you on that. It's yeah, I've got a specific reading order that I got from a YouTube channel, but um at any rate, yeah, I'm going to be talking about unit 731. Um I already know a good bit. I just want to um there's a lot more to the story that isn't usually talked about. So, yeah, that's what I'm going to be doing. So and don't then, worry, we'll be consistent at least for the next five months. <laughs> yes. And then what are we going to do for the discussion episode? Well, I have that planned out too. I'm not going to ruin it. I'm not Good going to, to keep spoil. some things a mystery. Yeah. But that seems like a good calling point to me. It does. Email, Facebook. Yes. Uh, send us emails, cognitive history podcast at gmail.com. And Facebook is at cognitive history dot pod. Dot pod. I hate it. <laughs> we get what we get. Yeah, I, I hate it, but it's the closest, simplest username I could get to our for some somehow cognitive history podcast was taken. I don't know. Uh, yeah. And of, of course, as always, if you appreciate our content, um, 
spread us around, help us grow a bit. Uh, we kind of shot ourselves in the foot with that extended break, but um, yeah, hopefully we can remedy that. Um, yeah, share us around. Give us a positive review. I'm not going to ask for you to give us five stars because we have a lot of growing, but you know, give us a positive review on Spotify or whatever service you listen to us on. And doing that criticisms are welcome. Yeah. Um, giving us a, a positive review allows us to grow more and have a further reach. So please do. It would help. Uh, it would help out a lot. Um, at any rate, uh, I'm going to try and get this posted sooner than I have the last two episodes. So have a good week, everyone. It's Sunday for me, so. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's getting there for me. Yeah, have have a good week. And we will catch you in maybe a week and a half maybe two weeks maybe sooner we don't know you'll know when we do yeah we're not really on too much of a schedule right now we're just trying to post you know closer to our old schedule but yeah at any rate everybody have a good one bye